Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Melissa Moore. Hi, it's Melissa Moore. I hope you're having a great Sunday. Welcome to Mile High Magazine. I think all of us love owls. And so it's a fun time of year to be talking with Kate Hogan, who's the Community Outreach Coordinator for the Audubon Society of Greater Denver. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, let's talk a little bit about something you have coming up, and then we're going to talk about owls. You've got a big hoot nanny coming up. Yes, we do. Our hoot nanny is our largest family event of the year, and so it's actually a four-day program now. We've got different smaller workshops leading up to our largest event on the 15th of September. So we've got different workshops featuring information about miniature owls and nocturnal hikes with the Highlands Ranch backcountry, as well as a nocturnal wildlife hike at our nature center with an opportunity to go out and listen for live owls or look for them. And then on Saturday, the 15th of September, we have our family event. And so we have a number of different owl-focused booths, owl merchandise for sale, owl pellet dissections, which is owl puke, so kids can explore what owls have been eating. We have Nature's Educators, who's another nonprofit that we partner with, and they have live owls that they care for, and they're bringing them to our nature center for people to see. And then we have live music as well from an Americana folk band here in Denver called Nearly There. And we have a food truck and it's just, it's a great time and a great way to celebrate September. Okay, so the Hoot Nanny is when again? I know you said four-day event. When does it start? So the first workshop will be on the 12th of September. So that's a Wednesday evening. So we have evening events on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And Mm -hmm. a lot of those will be geared toward adults and then also obviously people with older kids. Um, And given that it's during school, we don't expect a ton of families necessarily to be able to come out for those. But then the main family event for all ages is going to be Saturday the 15th of September. So all of the registration for those events is available on our website. And then um, the tickets for Hootenanny are already on sale, but people can just walk up that day as well. They don't have to pre-register to attend. Okay. And what is your website? So our website is www.denveraudubon.org. Tickets, information, all of that is up there. Yes. And once again, you can just walk up to the event as well. And where is it going to be held at and what time? Yeah, so the Audubon Nature Center is located at Chatfield State Park. So we're at the south end of the state park by Waterton Canyon. And we have our own separate parking area. And so people can come and just park there. And the event starts at 10 a.m. and then goes until 2 p.m. And we have live owl demonstrations scheduled at 10.30, noon, and 1.30. And then the live music will be between 11 and 1. The food trucks and the activities will be there all day. like a fun time. Yes, it's really fun. So right now, our largest event to date has been 445 people. I would love to break 500 this year. That would be wonderful. And all of the ticket proceeds go to benefit our nonprofit Nature Center. So it is a little bit of a fundraiser for us. And then we also um, give donations to the band and Nature's Educators for bringing the live owls to help support feeding them because it's expensive. (laughs) I bet. I bet it is. How many different kinds of owls usually come out? So usually they have anywhere from, you know, six to eight different species of owls, including larger owls and then smaller owls, because we have a great variety of owls that live in Colorado. And a lot of the owls have really awesome stories. Um, A lot of them are owls that had issues in the wild and aren't Mm -hmm. able to be re-released. Sometimes they might have had a collision with a car and maybe one of their wings isn't working well or an eye. Um, And so it's just a good opportunity for them to live out their lives in a safe space and then also be used to educate 
educate people about owls in Colorado. Well, and that's my next question. I feel like I hear owls a lot, but I never see them. Yeah. You know, I'm always trying. So I love the fact that you're doing these hikes at night in the backcountry in Highlands Ranch and at the Audubon Society. Um, What kind of owls are out there in Colorado. What do we have? Yeah. So a lot of times the quintessential Colorado owl is the great horned owl. So those are the largest owl we have. They also are crepuscular. And so what that means is that they're actually awake at dawn and dusk as well as in the middle of the night. So they tend to be the large owls that we see perched on top of our houses, Mm -hmm. on top of a grocery store. And they're the ones that are making the hooting sound that everyone is so familiar with. Then a lot of the other owls that we have that are harder for people to see are things like barn owls, screech owls, saw wet owls. And so they're much smaller owls that tend to wait until it's really dark outside because great horned owls will sometimes eat them. Oh. And so they like to hide. And then we also have burrowing owls and burrowing owls are only here seasonally. So they're here in spring and summer. They migrate to Colorado to have their babies and then they migrate out of Colorado again. And they're also a diurnal owl. So they're awake during the day. They live in prairie dog towns. So in order to be able to see a burrowing owl during the day, you have to find a prairie dog town somewhere and sit there and kind of scour the prairie dog entrances. And if you see a prairie dog that looks like it flies up um, randomly, it's probably a burrowing owl. Really? Yeah. So you have to look at it more closely sometimes with binoculars or with a spotting scope because they blend in and they could look just like a prairie dog from a distance. Size-wise, are they about the same? They are about the same. Yeah. So a burrowing owl stands um, around maybe nine to 10 inches tall. And so, you know, they could fit inside of a pint glass. If that's a good comparison. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so they will. They'll, but they stand right at the entrance of a prairie dog burrow. And they eat bugs and they eat small rodents. They Not really prairie love, dogs. Yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, they don't eat the prairie dogs, but they utilize prairie dog burrows that have been abandoned. And so they live kind of side by side as neighbors. That's so cool. Yeah. You know, I think we all know how big the big owl is. You were using your hands here as we were talking about the other ones. They're small. Yeah. Yeah. So a saw wet owl, um, when I worked at the Denver Zoo, we had a saw wet owl in the education department and they are very tiny. So they kind of remind me of like Furby size, if this might date me a little bit. Right. (laughs) No, but I know what you're saying. (laughs) The toy, the Furby toys. Right. Um, So they're just, yeah, they're very short and small. So you're talking about maybe five inches. Okay. Um, And so, yeah. And then they will go into the crooks of dead trees and they are amazing at camouflage. So they just really blend in, which is why it's so hard to see them during mm-hmm. the day. And a lot of people that go owling, and mm-hmm. that is a thing to go owling. I did owling. Know that was a thing. Yes. Okay. So to go owling, you have to go out at night and then also really learn some of the different calls of the owls because oftentimes you are going to hear them as opposed to seeing them. And a lot of the smaller owls make different sounds. So they don't make this hooting sound. Sometimes they make, um, you know, sounds that sort of sound, we call it a whinny. So like a screech owl makes a whinny sound. It Mm. almost sounds like a pony out in the middle of the woods. Um, And then sometimes they will actually screech and scream almost. So it's very ear piercing, high pitched. Uh um, And so it just doesn't sound like a traditional hooting sound. Right. I think we all just think all owls 
Hoot. And it's really the great horned owls that hoot. And then there's also a, an owl here called a long-eared owl. And they're a little bit smaller and they also make a hooting sound. But again, huh. they're just, they're harder to see. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Kate Hogan. She is the community outreach coordinator for the Audubon Society of Greater Denver. Big hoot nanny coming up. We were just talking about that. But also it is fall. And for me, owls feel like fall. Is that a misnomer? No, it totally is. I okay. think, yeah, a lot of people, I mean, obviously they've been commercialized as far as joining us for the Halloween season. And truthfully, in Colorado, we have a lot of owls that are here year-round. So they're always here. But there's a lot of myths and legends around owls. And I think a lot of different cultures have brought together owls as being um, kind of different symbols that are complete polar opposites. Mm So, you know, sometimes owls were um, associated with Athena. And so they were thought to be very wise. And truthfully, owls are pretty primitive in their intelligence. So they're not as wise as you might think. Um, But then there's other cultures that really kind of looked at them as being symbols of death. So if you happen to see an owl fly by you or if an owl flew in your house, that was a symbol that something bad was going to happen to you and it was bad luck. So I think that's why they got the association kind of with Halloween and and the fall season. But, um, But I think owls are wonderful and I've handled owls my whole career and I haven't had any bad luck at least not yet <laughs> that I would say <laughs> well I think they're so cool looking and they're just so unique so tell me this I mean because I see owls and I see birds I don't really see that many owls but what is the big difference between what we're seeing birds in our neighborhood and the big crows sometimes, and owls. Yeah, so owls are a specialized group of birds. So they're considered to be a raptor, so they're a bird of prey. And they happen to be birds mostly that are awake at night. And so I think that's also part of why people have a a natural kind of fascination and curiosity with them because there's a lot of things that owls do that we don't see. And they have amazing adaptations that allow them to hunt at night. So they're able to hear things incredibly well. Their ears are actually located on different parts of their head. So rather than being in the same place where Mm -hmm. our ears are, one of their ears is on top of their head and one of their ears is kind of lower by their jaw. And that allows them to be able to hear hear incredible distances. And also they're able to fly silently because of the special feather shape that they have. And so that allows them to be so sort of ninja-like. I was going to say, they they're just, the ninja of birds. Yes, they are. And then they can fly in sometimes. And sometimes people have been, you know, kind of dive-bombed by an owl right. when they're out running or hiking like early in the morning mm-hmm. or at dusk. And they don't even realize the owl is there. So oftentimes owls know that we're there long before we know that they're there. Um, so they just have these amazing specialized adaptations. And so it's a great thing to learn more about Mm -hmm. because they just are so different from a lot of the birds we see during the day. And how important are they to our ecosystem here in Colorado? Yeah. So I love to share that every animal is important to our ecosystem. Right. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So yeah. So, but I think sometimes, yeah, owls definitely have a great reputation for being good hunters. Mm -hmm. And so they are going to be obviously hunting after a lot of the small furry critters that people may not be so, um, so much of a fan of. Mm-hmm. And so they do a really, really important role in being able to clean up mice and rabbits, skunks. So great horned owls, actually most birds don't have a sense of smell. And so owls love, great horned owls love to eat skunks and they can't smell them really if they spray. So that's oh. a favorite meal of theirs. And um, they'll also go after snakes 
And so there's a lot of things that they eat. And so they can really help with keeping some of those populations at bay in Mm -hmm. our neighborhoods and around our homes. So for those of us in neighborhoods, what can we do to help out the owls? Yeah. So I think one of our biggest issues that we've seen is the increased use of pesticides and rodenticides in neighborhoods. And so a lot of times people will put out poison. And there's been some of our colleagues at rehab places, not only here in Colorado, but other parts of the country that are really pleading with people not to use rodenticide because it does poison owls. And so owls will come down and sweep up a mouse, not realizing that it's eaten rodenticide and maybe that mouse hasn't passed away yet. And it really does make the owl sick. And in some cases, it can actually cause the owl to pass away if they don't get to it in time. Um, The other thing that's really interesting is if there is use of even pesticides, which Mm -hmm. is used to spray for insects, there have been defects in owl eggs and babies being born with deformities um, because there have been pesticides. And we learned that with bald eagles and DDT back in the 70s. But that's something that's still even happening today. Um, And so just being able to minimize or eliminate chemical use of any kind and Mm -hmm. in around our neighborhoods is really important because honestly, a lot of times there's too much of it. You know, everything in small quantities is, it can be okay. um, But a lot of times we just end up using way more than we need. So um, that's a really great thing that people can do is to make that decision around their own homes. And if you do have a mouse problem, obviously you might have to use the snap trap every once in a while. We don't like to do that either, but if they're coming in your home and it's becoming a problem, you might have to do something about it, but not using rodent site is key. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good to know. And I think too, for people, especially here in Colorado, we're such a green state. We try to be, you know, yeah. and so I think it's a good reminder of, Hey, this stuff that you think is just getting rid of the rodents around your house is causing damage to the environment. Yes. And, and what can. can we do to change that? And I think it's kind of like, okay, yeah, wait a minute. We want to be a better, healthier state. We can do something here. Yeah. And if you want to see these animals out in the wild, then you have to be able to kind of, you know, be willing to make some of those changes. And it, it starts on a neighborhood level, a local right. level as much as you can. And just educating your neighbors and learning more about it and being an advocate for wildlife just within your own um, community is how we can kind of impact things even on a small level. So we know what owls are hunting but what hunts owls? That's a really good question. Um, People are the most um, kind of biggest threat, I would say, to owls. Um, And a lot of times that, again, has to do with the rodent side issue. Also collisions with cars at night um, can be a real problem. So a lot of the owls that end up going into a rehabilitation circumstance are because they've had a collision with a vehicle. And another way that we can help owls is actually keeping our trash inside our cars. So what will happen is people throw their trash outside their vehicle, even if it's a banana peel, something organic, they might throw it out there, but then a rodent comes along on a roadway in the middle of the night and tries to eat it. The owl sees the rodent, the owl flies down to get the rodent, and it may not notice that a car's coming and then a collision happens. Oh, that's what I was trying to piece together is how are these collisions happening? But that makes perfect sense. Yeah, because people don't see the owls coming and there may be something out in the road that they're not seeing. So another great way is to just pack it in, pack it out, leave no trace, you know, take your own garbage home and don't throw it out your window. I love it. I love it. All just good common sense things too. Yeah. You know, but it has a big impact. Well, thank you so much.
so much for being here. Real quick again, the Hoot Nanny is coming up when? Yeah, so the Hoot Nanny is going to start on Wednesday, September 12th, and then the final family event will be on Saturday, the 15th of September from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and that's a great opportunity to come see some of these smaller owls that maybe people have never seen before since they are so difficult to see in the wild. But for ticket information and for more about the Hoot Nanny, what is the website? Yeah, it's www.denveraudubon.org. Kate Hogan's the Community Outreach Coordinator for the Audubon Society of Greater Denver. I'm Melissa Moore. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday morning. It's Mile High Magazine. Have a great day.